Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is Jeff Byers. Jeff, this week, did we turn into a basketball school? Boy, for a moment, uh, for two minutes and 20 seconds, we did anyway. <laughs> it was uh, it was quite a finish there. And yeah, always special, I think, to be back in Rec Hall and uh, to see that type of situation develop, uh, you know, kind of the, the perfect storm there of uh, things falling apart for Illinois and obviously Penn State taking advantage. But yeah, that was a pretty, pretty special memory, I think, for everybody involved there at Rec Hall. Uh, for the Illinois game on Wednesday night. You are very familiar with that venue, Jeff, obviously. Um, What was the rec hall factor? And, of course, we are talking about Penn State's upset of Illinois on Wednesday night, played at rec hall. Um, It was a great scene, tremendous win. How big could the venue be as a factor, Jeff? Well, I do think it, it's it's important uh, with the, the the fans right on top of you there, and and I do think that place can generate momentum in a way that the Jordan Center, even when it's packed, uh, can't quite uh, accomplish. Um, that being said, I know there's a lot of talk about maybe moving more games over to Rack Hall. I, I really like the idea for these types of events of them being just a once a year type thing. I think it it keeps the novelty of it. Um, and it makes it that that big event feel. Same thing with the wrestling team moving over to the Jordan Center. Same thing with the whiteout for the Penn State football team. Like, I, I think you always want to leave the fans wanting more. And I think anybody that was at that game uh, on Wednesday night uh, wants more. Like, feels like, oh, yeah, man, we want more of this. I, I just think you run a danger if you start doing it two, three times a year that some of that novelty wears off, and I'm not sure it, it remains quite as uh, much of an impact uh, or has as much significance for, for the fans or for the players. So you go into Rec Hall, the fans are right on top of you, the noise is there, the, the Bryce Jordan Center is like a cavern, but you still have also, for the basketball team, the economics of it. If there's What's the capacity, 6,500 at Rec Hall about? I think that's about right. Yeah. So if a basketball game gets at Bryce Jordan brings in 8,000, 9,000 people, it's still barely half filled, but you're still getting an additional 2,000 people in the place. So so there's also the economic factor of it. But you know, let's talk about the crowd factor, the noise factor for a home gym rec hall how big a deal is it, do you think, for the players to play in that kind of boisterous environment, that boisterous crowd? Well, I think you heard from them after the game. It, it was special, and it does mean something. And even in the lead-up to it, I know there were a couple of uh, different outlets that did stories with uh, – and, and same thing with the previous Rec Hall games where you go back and you read like what you know guys like Pete Lasicki uh, remember about the, the – rec hall and the atmosphere there and especially uh for the bigger games so it's just different i think um i'm forgetting was i think it was lasicki that said it's that's the loudest 
venue he's ever been in. And obviously he went on and played overseas and has been in a lot of, uh, of places. And uh, again, because the fans are right on top of you, I do think there's just an impact there that, that can't be replicated uh, no matter how great the crowd is or how enthusiastic it is in a facility like the Jordan center, just because the noise carries differently when you're in a small venue like that. And, and again, the fans are right on top of you. So I just, I think it is a special memory for those, those players in this particular situation uh, that they'll be able to, to carry with them the rest of their careers and really for the rest of their lives. Before we talk about the team itself, just talking about the venues, there's been talk of playing some other venues throughout the state. Obviously, the Palestra, which, by the way, has a similar feel to it as Rec Hall does. And I think it was made by the same builder, but which is a great success, especially they're doing it, as you said, just once a year. What do you think about going elsewhere throughout the state and playing games, trying to promote Penn State basketball? Yeah, I think it's not a... I'm okay with the idea. I think the uh, there's some economic uh, realities that I think have to figure into it, and may I mean may or may not make sense. I think that's obviously got to be weighed in uh, to the equation. If you're giving up the uh, home game uh, at the Jordan Center, are you making that up uh, with whatever venue you're you're choosing to go to? But you know, I go back, uh, you know, prior to the Kale Sanderson era at Penn State. I mean, Penn State wrestling would do that from time to time, uh, maybe once every, uh, I'm forgetting now exactly, it wasn't often, but maybe once every five years or so, Penn State Wrestling would go have a dual meet at a, uh, a high school gym somewhere uh, throughout the state to, again, do that exact thing, promote uh, the team, promote the program, let some people that uh, might not otherwise have that opportunity to see them uh, experience it. So, I think there's some benefit there, and I think there's some. Um, uh, it's worth looking at again. I don't know if at the end of the day it's like, oh, this, this wouldn't make sense financially. Uh, it's not going to be enough bang for the buck. Or conversely, if hey, man, we get down in this area, we get uh, enough eyeballs to see us, make it a special enough event, um, and you know, it comes across well on TV, which is also an important component these days. Uh, then, you know, maybe it is something uh, that, that you do. And uh, and especially at this stage, you know, there's a couple of things I think in play right now, Jim, with college athletics in general, where I, I think the, certainly the administration at Penn State, but I think across the board, folks are pretty open right now to let's hear new ideas. Let's, uh, you know, what's uh, Mike Rhodes, let's be bold. Uh, let's let's go ahead and try some things maybe that haven't been tried before and see what sticks. And not everything is uh, is maybe going to work uh, great and is going to be hailed as a, a fantastic revolutionary idea. But I think we're we're at a state right now where yeah, it's worth throwing some things up against the wall and seeing what sticks uh, and and maybe trying uh, something that uh, like that and seeing what the results are. And if the results are eh. Don't think we want to do that again. Okay, you learn from it, you move on. Uh, or maybe the results are, boy, that was really cool. What if we do it on the other end of the state? What if we do it in this area? Uh, so, you know, I do think that this is this is a good time if you are wanting to experiment uh, with some different ideas in intercollegiate athletics. 
I, I think this is the right time to be trying those things uh, because I think everybody right now is trying to figure out, hey, how do we distinguish ourselves? What can we do to separate uh, what what we're doing, what we have from what everybody else is doing and what everybody else uh, has? And I think that's a difficult challenge uh, in in today's uh competitive world of uh of not just intercollegiate but of competitive athletics and if you can do something to separate yourself and get people talking i mean people are buzzing about uh, not just the the rec hall obviously the comeback but i mean that whole thing coming together uh you know that is something that people will be talking about if if you do that event again next year it's like oh man yeah you want to be there this year because you remember what happened last year and that's how that stuff can build I agree, and why not try stuff? Why not bring attention to your program? They did a good job of that, you know, Wednesday night with that performance. And if you watch the game, it was an exciting game to watch. If you were watching it on TV, you brought more interest to the Penn State program. Now, you know, let's talk about the program, uh, Jeff. We found out earlier this week, Kanye Clary, no longer with the program. Which brings up the interesting, I, I get a lot of comments. Oh, they're playing, they're better without him. I don't know if that's the case, but I do think Mike Rhodes set established something when whatever the issue was, he said, I don't care if you're the last guy on the bench or our leading scorer, this is how things are in our program. Yeah, I think it's a, it's important, and especially when you are, uh, new and, and you're trying to create your culture, uh, right? And, and it, you know, there's a couple of things in play here, Jim. One is I, I do, I, not that I had any doubt before, but I do think this kind of reaffirms that Mike Rhodes' intention here is that this is a long-term program-building vision that he has, Right. If, if if he's looking at this as a stepping stone, I'm going to be here for a year or two. Uh, again, not knowing the specifics, but likely you have a talented player uh, that you could use uh, in terms of, of garnering wins. I, I don't think this is a move you, you make. But the other thing is, yes, I think you're, you're clearly sending the message that, you know, whatever happened here, there is a standard that needs to be met. This is what we, we do. This is how we go about it. And yeah, it does not matter. We we need you to uphold your end of the bargain. And I think conversely, right, Mike Rhodes is saying, I will uphold my end of the bargain. I'm here as the head coach. I will be the head coach. I need you guys to, to do what we're asking you to do uh, in terms of, again, everything that is involved with being a player, whether it's, you know, practice time, getting along with teammates, classes, all of all of that, uh, and and I think that is important to establish early in your uh, coaching tenure. Well, Jeff, it, my my take on it is I don't know if they're a better team without this very talented player. I think they've played better without him, but I think the guy who specifically is, I think Ace Baldwin has become the definitive point guard. You put the ball in his hands. And there's no doubt about that now. And in games that they won without Kanye Clary, some other guys have been supportive and putting scoring points. 
that doesn't happen in every game. And when it doesn't, those are the times that you wish you still had Kanye Clary, right? Yep. But I think you, you I, I do, I like the way this team has played without him. And I, again, I'm not going to make the argument that they're better without him. But I, I do think they, they have figured out how to play without him, right? Whether it was uh, injury or now, uh, they have had three of their better results <laughs> this season uh, with, with him uh, not uh, in the lineup. And so, yeah, I don't think this is the catastrophe that maybe uh, it was initially perceived to be in terms of the competitiveness that this team can have. Uh, definitely. And like I said, I think if the ball ends up in Ace Baldwin's hands more often, that's not a bad thing for this team, Jeff. Especially at the last several minutes of the game, you, you want him holding the ball. All right, that's it for quarter number one. Lots more to go. Stick with us. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable signup offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. He's Jeff Byers. I'm Jim Galante. We're talking Penn State sports. We spent... The first quarter talking Penn State basketball, which is always a little bit of an upset when that's our headline, Jeff. Um, Next up, not a bad week for Penn State wrestling either. They ended their Big Ten conference schedule with a win against Nebraska to finish the Big Ten season undefeated. Not a surprise there. What I will ask you, though, as the outsider, you're the guy inside the wrestling program. They start off against Nebraska, lose three of the first four matches. Is anybody getting nervous? I I don't really think so. Uh, And there's a couple of things. One is, and I know people don't really believe this, but I'm just telling you, it it, it is the God's honest truth. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Kyle Sanderson, obviously, this coaching staff wants to win everything. They're competitive. It's just the nature of being in competitive athletics. You want to win. But I I genuinely don't believe that there would have been any panic or any change in terms of how they practice the rest of this season had Penn State lost the dual meet outright to Nebraska. They would have gone back in on Monday and been like, all right, these are the things we need to correct. These are the things that we liked about what each kid did, and we'll move forward. And they do that win or lose. So the approach, I I think, would – change not one iota uh and from a from the standpoint of were they concerned truthfully when you finish your lineup with carter starachi three-time ncaa champion bernie truax four-time uh, or well three-time all-american three-time fourth place finisher aaron brooks three-time national champion greg kirkfleet three-time all-american 
and uh, NCAA finalist, you feel pretty good <laughs> about uh, your chances down the stretch. And that's to say nothing, obviously, of Mitchell Messenbrink, uh, who leads off that second half of the, the lineup. And then obviously Levi Haynes, who closes out the first half of the dual meet. And I think both of those guys are obviously among the contenders uh, for national titles here at their respective weights this year as well. So, um, you know, I I really thought, I've, I've been telling a couple of people that have asked, you know, were you surprised? Yes and no. I thought Nebraska matched up as well as anybody, Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan, all teams included. Uh, that being said, I also thought going in, Penn State would win eight or nine bouts, which is what they have typically done throughout the course of the season. I thought 125 could go either way, but I liked Braden Davis's chances. Obviously, all credit to uh, Nebraska. They got the job done, a big uh, seven-point throw there uh, in the final minute, and, and they get the uh, the win. Obviously, I thought Aaron Nagal was going to wrestle at, at 33. Uh, with him out, I knew that was unlikely to go Penn State's way. I thought Nagal in there, a little bit of a toss-up, maybe slight favorite for Penn State, but Penn State would win that. I thought 41 was, you know, again, a slight favorite Penn State. Obviously, Bo Bartlett uh, got the job done, but that is a, a dangerous matchup for Bartlett. That's a dangerous matchup for anybody uh, in the country. And 49, certainly that was the one weight where you strongly favored Nebraska. And I thought Tyler Kasak uh, went out and wrestled a terrific bout and gave himself a chance uh, going into the final minute of it. So, um, you know, I think a couple of things. I think you you hats off to Nebraska. That is a really good team. I think they are going to make some noise both at the Big Ten and the NCAA tournament this year. I think they've got a real shot. Uh, it, the, fo- the top four teams in college wrestling get team trophies, and that's you know not insignificant. Finishing in the top four is where you really want to be if you're a, a big-time college wrestling program. I think Nebraska clearly has a chance to be among the top four. And really, I think Nebraska has a chance here to be the number two team uh, at the end of the season when it comes to to tournament time. So I think it's a really good team. At the end of the day, Penn State still wins six bouts, uh, does it with uh, one of their starters out of the lineup while Nebraska had all 10 of theirs. And, you know, Penn State uh, wins it comfortably. I mean, 22-13 is not a beatdown by any stretch, but... That's a good, solid win against a very good team. Uh, so I think Penn State still feels good about where it's at. Um, you know, they're still getting over some illness with a few of these kids. Uh, hopefully, everybody will be able to go here this Sunday against Edinburgh just to get that uh, feel against outside competition one final time before you begin the uh, the postseason. And that's where the the real fun always is. Uh, I suppose for any sport, but certainly in wrestling, the postseason is uh, is obviously what it's all about. All right. Well, then let's talk about that. Now, they have one more uh, dual meet before the end of the season, Jeff. Yeah, they have Edinburgh this Sunday at, at two o'clock and Edinburgh's down uh, this year. I, I mean, truthfully, there should be a shutout. Uh, for Penn State, certainly if they have all of their starters, but depending on the weight, uh, even they could probably win this one with uh, all of their backups uh, still very comfortably. 
but yeah, this will be the final dual meet uh, Sunday at two o'clock against Edinburgh, just kind of a final tune up, if you will. And then a couple of weeks off, then they go to Maryland for the big 10 championships. And, you know, <clears throat> Penn state is an overwhelming favorite there at the, the big tens, but in a lot of ways, I do think the big 10 tournament is a more difficult tournament uh, for Penn State or any team to win than even the NCAAs, just because you, you have that top end talent more condensed. Like at NCAAs, you, if, if you're an elite athlete, you can get wins and rack up bonus points in those first couple of rounds. Uh, at Big Tens, you can usually do it in the first round, but a lot of times, right there in the quarterfinals at Big Tens, uh, or certainly in the semifinals, you're facing top-ranked guys. So there's just not as much opportunity uh, to kind of create that separation from the also-rams in a conference tournament like the Big Ten uh, versus uh, the NCAA championships. Well, if you look at it, Jeff, going forward, first of all, just a quick question. You said Edinburgh is one of those matches where Penn State should win easily. Will they do anything like rest a couple wrestlers, get some experience for backups? Will they do anything like that? Probably not. If again, if if the starters aren't in there, it's going to be because of of illness. Uh, and I think with this one, that would be true across the board. Uh, and a couple of reasons for that. One is Kale's just a big believer that you know you've earned the starting position. You ought to get the opportunity to go out there. There's limited opportunities to compete at the collegiate level. You ought to be the the guy. But also. Uh, you are trying to build here now for the postseason, and you want to get that match uh, under your belt just, again, to get one more look at, okay, this is what I, I want to keep working on. This is what works. Uh, and, you know, truthfully, in this bout, uh, this meet in particular, you're looking to get your guys feeling confident. I mean, and this would on paper be a pretty sure win for the 10 starters. You want those guys with a win under their belt and that frame of mind going into the postseason. Okay, now let's talk. It's Edinburgh, week off, then Big Tens. The following week, the Nationals? It'll be another week off, and then they'll start. uh, So Big Tens will be that Saturday, Sunday, the first Saturday and Sunday in March. And then that next weekend you have off, and then you start NCAAs that following Thursday. I think it's the... My gosh, I keep getting this mixed up. I think it's the twenty first, but whatever that Thursday is. Okay, well, let's uh, you know talk about the competition. You mentioned Nebraska. Who are the teams that we should be looking out with, looking out for as fans? First for the Big Tens, and then the Nationals. Yeah, I think Big Tens. I, it's really going to be interesting to me, Jim. I mean, again, Penn State is a prohibitive favorite to win the team race. I think that battle for second uh, going into it, I I think is really intriguing because I think there are at least four teams uh, and I think it's probably just those four, but there's a couple of others that maybe if they got red hot, but I think Michigan, Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio state are all teams that are capable of uh, like, I think all four of those teams going in to the big tens think they can be number two to Penn state. And, you know, those coaches and wrestlers probably go in with the mindset that they're going to win it. They can knock off Penn State. But, I mean, I think realistically uh, any of those four teams could put together a weekend here 
where they do finish in that runner-up spot. Um, going in, it feels to me like Nebraska and Michigan have kind of that that balance and top-end firepower to maybe make a, a real run. You know, it is hard to ever bet against Iowa in terms of, uh, hey, they'll come through it when it counts. And Ohio State, I know it's a young team, but I'm really impressed with the way a, a couple of their freshmen are coming along here and coming on at the end of the season. And I just think those are – all four of those teams, again, are really dangerous and I think could finish anywhere between second and fifth here at the uh, the Big Ten tournament. And truthfully, those four, uh, along with Oklahoma State and Missouri, are probably the teams – uh, that I would think have the best shot of making a run at Penn State. I know there's a couple of ACC schools, North Carolina State certainly, uh, Virginia Tech possibly that could also, uh, you know, make some noise and, and get uh, in that top four at NCAA's. But if if you're asking me right now, I think between those four Big Ten teams that I mentioned, Nebraska, Iowa, Michigan, and Ohio State, and then Missouri and Oklahoma State. Uh, I'm expecting that among those six teams, those will be uh, three of those six will be the teams that finish second, third, and fourth in Kansas City at the NCAA tournament. Final question. From before the season even started, Jeff, you told me this might be the best college wrestling team ever. What does this team have to, have left to do to for you to give them that title? Yeah, I think, and I, I definitely think it has that potential. I, I think you know, probably the key right now is uh, how the two true freshmen finish up here in Braden Davis and Tyler Kasak. I think they're both right there. And if this team is healthy, that would be the other uh, component. But I think if this team is healthy, uh, that, yeah, they could match Minnesota's 10 uh, All-Americans in 2001. They could surpass Iowa's 170-point uh, total. Uh, at the 97 NCAAs, and I think Penn State has a chance to get at least five uh, national champions crowned, which would, uh, you know, nobody's ever had more than five. So all of that is on the table here for Penn State. Now we'll see if they're able to go out and and actually bring any of that home. If we're going to talk wrestling, no better place to go than Jeff Byers. Thanks, Jeff, for that. But it's only halftime. We got lots more to talk about. Stick with us. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Jeff. I'm Jim. We're talking Penn State sports. It was kind of nice, Jeff. We got a great basketball conversation. Then we got wrestling. And I, I just got to tell you up front with wrestling, I do not know wrestling at all. I really don't. I count on you for that. So thank you for being the wrestling guy. <laughs> Truly my pleasure. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I know you never have a problem talking about it. I like how you explain it. I like how you talk about it. I feel like I know wrestling a whole lot better after 15 minutes of wrestling conversation with you. So thank you for that. Now we're going way, way afield here with the next conversation. You and I talked about this a little bit last week, Jeff, and that was the potential for Paterno Field at Beaver Stadium. And you and I chatted a little bit about this before the show about you know, talking about this. And, and I know there are some people out there who just, they're tired of it. They don't want to hear it anymore. I got to admit there are days I feel that way also. However, I think this is very important. This is important to everything that goes on at Penn State. And what I'll start with is a week ago, all the reports were the potential for naming it Paterno Field. This week, the news coming out, the reports are, they have tabled that conversation. Just first, your reaction to that. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm personally disappointed. I I think I truly do understand it. Uh, it is easy for me. <laughs> I have no, uh, whether or not they, they do this and what blowback the university gets, right? Like it, it is not impacting directly my life it's not having any impact uh that i can see with my finances or anything like that you know penn state like most colleges right now most universities uh is is facing some very trying times both economically and just trying to navigate what is the future going to look like here with higher education um and, you know, for that matter, intercollegiate athletics. Obviously, that's a whole nother uh, dynamic with a bunch of moving parts. So to to whatever degree I, I can try to put myself in their shoes, uh, meaning trustees or administrators, um, I, I can understand. And especially for an administration that, that, that well, and actually, actually, for that matter, a board of trustees and an administration I think very few, if any, in the administration were here when all of this went down at, at Penn State, 2011-2012. Uh, very few, if any. And I think Anthony Lebrano, and he wasn't on the board at the time, but I mean, he was around. But I don't. I think the board is completely turned over now, I believe, from that, uh, that era. So I can understand this board sitting there and saying... Uh, Listen, this is something with, we may want to address, this is something we want to look at. Right now, we're focused on X, X, and Y, right? Like, I, I, to whatever degree I can put myself in their shoes, I think I can understand that. This is not a driving force for them. It is not a priority. Uh, I did think it was interesting. Brandon Short, you, you, you know, the former linebacker who's on the board, uh, said he thought it was a political stunt. I think the politics are being played. And again, I, I, this part I'm not even critical of, uh, but I think the politics are being played by the by the board members who did not bring this up. In that, I think they're trying to play both sides. And to a large degree, that makes sense uh, because they're trying to tell the Paterno people, to use that uh, terminology, uh, hey, we get it. We sympathize. We understand. But we're not going to take any action because we're also, we have these people over here that we're also wanting to keep 
good standing with, we're wanting to keep money flowing in from, and we don't want to rock the boat over there. And if you come out and publicly say either, nope, we're not doing this, we don't want to honor Joe Paterno in that way, then you alienate the Paterno people. If you come out and say, we are doing this, right, you know you are getting the national blowback. So again, I understand it, and it it makes sense, and they're playing, I think they're playing the political game, and you could make the argument, I think that that is the right way to play this. They're not saying no, they're saying, eh, we're just, the timing's not right. Now, what I strongly suspect is, oddly enough, the timing's never going to be right uh, with this. And my argument is that the timing is right, and it needs to be now, because my reason for the urgency is I think it is important that they do this while Sue Baterno is still with us. Uh, Sue and Joe together, my argument would be, have done more for this university as a whole than any other couple, any other uh, two individuals in the history of the university. There may be a few other names that you could throw out that we could debate on that, but there are not many, not many names that you could even throw into that discussion. And I think it is important that they recognize in some way, whether it's naming the field, and I like that idea, that makes a lot of sense to me, uh, or or something else. But I I think they need to do something to... uh, and I don't think Subaturno is even asking or looking for it, and I understand that. But I think they need to do it as a sign to Sue while she's still with us. She just had her 84th birthday. I think it's important that they do it while she's still with us. It, it Basically, a public acknowledgement that, yes, we understand, we know Joe Paterno did everything that he should have done, really everything he could have done, and that the two of you are truly exemplary in in terms of what you have done for this university and the student athletes and the students as a student body as a whole who have gone here, who are going here, and who will go here in the future. Uh, Jeff, when we had this discussion last week, first of all, I put out my position has been and this was even with the conversations of the statue, that do you really want to go back and have this debate again? Because you know how the national media will react, and the national media will shape the national opinion. And sure enough, we started to see the articles come out. What a disastrous idea. I think I read from one of the articles last week where they had just essentially, you know, presented it as fact. Sandusky's guilty. Paterno's guilty. Why in the world would you honor him? You're a cult. And I feel like your re- your take on this is, you know what? That's okay. There's never the, a wrong time to do the right thing. And it it made me think about that too. And it leads to the question of, instead of being concerned about the negative reaction should it be we invite that reaction because it would at least create another conversation where some of these aspects of it, which are more and more people are going out looking into it and say, hey, wait a minute, a real injustice was done 12 years ago. And doing something like Paterno Field 
could spark this conversation. Yeah, it it, it is such a, a tough one, Jim, because that's what I would like to think will happen. And I keep I keep thinking that as the facts continue to, to come out and more and more people are looking into this and coming to the same conclusion that not only was Joe Paterno wronged, but that Jerry Sandusky is in fact an innocent man. And these are people that are putting their reputations on the line and and they are getting skewered by by individuals saying that they, they can't believe they're, you know, you've got blood on your hands and you're accepting money from and the the ironic part about that is these people aren't making money off of it. John Ziegler has lost a ton of money. I don't have the exact numbers, but I, John and I are, are pretty good friends. And I, I'm just telling you, this was not a moneymaker and this is not helping his national reputation. Okay. Frank Parlato is not making money. This isn't, this isn't Penn State uh, or Penn State football people going to Frank Parlato or going to John Ziegler or going to Ralph Cipriano or going to John Snedden and saying, hey, we'll pay you, uh, you know, it, please investigate this. That is not what's happening. These people are all on their own and on their own dime investigating this, not without uh, or, or without any financial or any other kind of support. I mean, other than, I guess, people reading it. And saying yes, my gosh, thank you for for getting to the truth uh, for p- people that uh, that again uh, believe as as I firmly do that Jerry Sandusky is innocent. But on the other side, right, you did have uh, millions of dollars go out to individuals. Uh, you ha- and you had millions of dollars go out to Louis Free to get the result that they wanted to get, which. Oddly enough, they got. So like everything else to me in this story, Jim, like everything is completely backwards from what it should be. And that is one of the great frustrations for me is I I don't think it's that difficult to see um, what the truth actually is, but getting people to just open their eyes or listen to what that truth is and at least keep an open mind that possibly a narrative that was started by a false premise in a grand jury report that everybody has acknowledged was a lie and for which, by the way, there were no uh, repercussions. Nobody has been held accountable for the lies put in that grand jury report. In a sane world, you would expect, well, that's somebody's got to pay for that. You can't have uh, inaccurate information get out there as the starting point for a story that then blows up based off of that lie. But that is exactly what has happened. And there are people fighting to maintain that and not allow even a re-examination of a case that, again, is so faulty in so many different ways that it's hard to know exactly where to start. The unfortunate thing is in our society, it's old news, it's old story. People have made up their minds. They don't want to hear anything else. And you pointed that out that how difficult is it to just listen? And if your convictions are correct, 
you shouldn't worry about listening. If you're right, your mind won't be changed. But what's wrong with just listening to the other side? And uh, my fear is that just won't happen. Jeff, that's it for quarter number three. We still have another quarter to go. Stay tuned. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Jeff. I'm Jim. It's quarter number four. And Jeff got a crazy idea. Crazy, crazy idea. Want to get your thought on it. How about we talk a little bit about the football team? Now, which football team are we talking about? The Steelers? <laughs> yeah, we, let's talk about your Steelers, okay? <laughs> All right, let's talk some Penn State football. Let's do it. What, what's interesting, Jeff, to me, and some of these things are absolutely ridiculous, but it's talking college football, so I'm all over it, okay? Things like... Uh, some of the gambling sites, and you know I kind of have an interest in in that. They are coming over with they're coming out with their over under on numbers of wins. Several outlets are doing their way too early uh, rankings, but they're fun to look at, Jeff, and we have no college football for a while. So let's talk about it. So I haven't been able to hit you up on a couple of these things that I find really fascinating. Let's start with the over-under on number of wins. Penn State, crazy. It's at nine and a half. It seems like that's just the permanent preseason prediction. The over-under for Penn State is nine and a half wins. What do you think? Well, first of all, I I hope you're not here. I'm trying to keep my weeping silent uh, because we're not going to have college football for a long time. (laughs) yeah, I, I like the over, but that seems like the right number again to me, Jim. But, I, I mean, I think it's going to be right at 10, and certainly 9 does not seem unreasonable, right? Like, that that is where you would expect this team with the schedule that it has uh, to, to end up finishing up. And, uh, yep, not, not any great surprise to anybody following this program uh, at all uh, here in recent years. Well, you know, it's a very different kind of schedule. Um, going into the 23 season, 10-2 and two just looked like there were 10 games they would be the heavy favorite, and there would be two games that they would be the underdog, and history tells us they would lose. So what happened? They won the 10 games they were supposed to. They lost the two that they were underdogs, and you had 10-2. and two. This year... I'm not sure if there's two games that they will be, you know, the solid underdog. But there's several. I'm picking out four games, Jeff, that I think are, I'll call, losable games. On the road, they have USC, Wisconsin, 
and West Virginia. They have Washington at home. Now, Washington, I'm not sure about, but they have, you know, they're coming off a national championship appear- game appearance. So, you know, there's, there's still something there. The other three games, USC, Wisconsin, West Virginia, I think they'd be solid favorites at home, but I think they are potential losses when you put them on the road. Is that a fair assessment? I, I think it is, and I think that the you know at the end of the day, and don't forget, Jim, they play uh, three of the Ohio State universities. There's uh, uh, Bowling Green, Kent State, and uh, <laughs> Ohio State all, all in there. So uh, you know when you play uh, one of those, you, you never know what's going. I, on. I predict them to have a winning record against the three Ohio State teams, two and one. So go. is that a is that a victory for them? <laughs> Um, so, but listen, yeah, it, I think going into this thing, um, Ohio state to me, not just in the big 10, I I think that is the most fascinating team to watch this year. And probably the team that has the biggest expectations given, uh, everything that's gone down here, uh, in the off season and the, the sense of urgency there, but I think the the games you mentioned, like that West Virginia game out of the gate, and by the way, how many years in a row is Penn State going to have a big opening game where you feel like they can make a statement, whether it's at Purdue, uh, at Wisconsin, uh, last year, again, West Virginia, and then obviously at West Virginia uh, this year. Like, it's just, it's wild the way uh, those uh, games have opened up here uh, for Penn State. And listen, down there, Morgantown uh, is an interesting place. We'll, we'll put it that way uh, for, for college uh, teams to visit. So I do think right out of the gate, uh, that's a good one to get your attention uh, if you're a Penn State uh, fan or a player. And then the trip to USC, Jim, is just, I mean, that's a fascinating trip, right? Like that, that's going to have all kinds of intrigue around it just because of the opportunity to play uh, in that uh, in that venue against a, a program that has the history that USC does. And speaking of a program that has some urgency to it uh, this season, but I don't know exactly where they're going to be at either uh, coming off the you know departure of Caleb Williams. So yeah, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot more questions. I, I agree with the, you in terms of all right, where exactly are these opponents going to be this season? Uh, and which ones actually develop into, okay, yep, these are, are dangerous top 10, top 15 type of programs. Uh, I think that's harder to get a read on this year uh, than it was a year ago. As, as you said, you kind of looked at the schedule, you knew right out of the gate, all right, the, the two big ones are Michigan and Ohio State. I was uh, probably next on the list of concerns. And then you go from there. This year, yeah, there's, I, I would throw all of the games that you mentioned into the, well, let's see both where Penn State is. And listen, Penn State has its own question marks. Yeah, a lot of talent returning, but it lost a lot of talent off last year's team. And even though I think there's genuine excitement uh, or at least good feelings about all three coordinators, the fact that you do have, a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, and a new special teams coordinator. Like that, that is a lot of change uh, to be trying to handle from one season to the next here. 
uh, just from the Penn State side of it. I'm curious, I, and I had this conversation with Andy Shea, is what is what is a successful season for James Franklin? What does the team have to do to say, yep, good year? Well, so I think for the, for the average fan, I think what Penn State needs to do is get to the playoffs, certainly. I think not being one of the 12 teams in the playoffs this year and leave it to Penn State to be 13th. I mean, I'm not saying it would be a disastrous (laughs) season, but yes, that would be a disappointment. I don't think there's anybody surrounding this program that wouldn't say right now going into next year that not being one of the top 12 teams next year would be, uh, would not be disappointing. That like that clearly would be a disappointment. Now, whether or not Chris Buganani and I got into a big debate about whether this past season was a failure or not, Uh, I think failure is a little too strong of a term, but disappointment for sure. So I'm not sure if I would say the season upcoming would be a failure necessarily if you didn't get in, but boy, it would be a big disappointment. For me, though, uh, Jim, like I think to feel like this program is – is taking the next step, is evolving toward being elite, to go back to the now infamous uh, press conference. Like, I think they have to win a game in the postseason. Certainly, if if Penn State does finish, and this is where there's maybe some nuance, but if Penn State finishes in the uh, – I want to make sure I'm getting this right. You need to be in the top eight, right, to, to have a home game. So if you finish in the top eight, you get a home game. Right. So if you finish in the top eight, to me, like you've got to then win that game or this would still be a disappointment. You you can't go in and be, to me, where Penn State has been. They've been a top eight, uh, a top 12 program. Um, So the fact that there's playoffs this year, obviously that changes that equation a bit, but the, uh, to me, getting to the playoffs now. If, if you have a playoff road game, ironically, Tim, so if Penn State finishes, let's say ninth, and loses on a last-second field goal, I mean, slightly disappointed, but I don't know if it's that big of a deal. If you if you get that home game at Beaver Stadium though, and you lose that, to me, that's still a disappointment, and I don't know that it feels like you've necessarily taken a step forward as a program even though you're in the playoffs versus obviously not being in the playoffs previously. I think you hit it exactly, but I think there's also another little subtle thing going on here, which is the top four seeds are the four conference champions. So if the ACC champion and the Big 12 and or the Big 12 champion are like ranked 15th, 18th, doesn't matter. They will be seeded third and fourth, which pushes everyone back. So if you are the sixth ranked sixth, you'll be pushed back to eighth in the in the seeding. If you're seventh, okay, the seventh best team, you get pushed back to ninth in the seeding, and all of a sudden it's a road game. <laughs> and if to make it even worse, if you're down to like ten or eleven, you might end up with uh, playing the number six seed who it might be the third best team in the country, but because of this conference champion getting the top seeding, 
teams get pushed down. So you got to realize that. With all that said, I'm with you. You get a home playoff game, you better win. Yeah, now part of it is, again, I think depending on the matchup a little bit and, and how everything is is looking, you know, uh, what kind of calls do you get with the officiating? I mean, I, I don't know that it's necessarily black and white. Like if you, if you feel like you got uh, a horrible call and, I mean, there's other things that can factor in. But generally speaking, yes, to me, losing a home game would feel like you haven't really made progress here. I'm not giving them an out, Jeff. I'm making it black and white. I'm sorry. You've got home that home field advantage, and I'm going to break the one whiteout rule per season if you get a home playoff game. You better make darn sure that's a whiteout. Agreed. But, Jim, the ball was across the plane. The fact that the instant replay guy still got it wrong, I mean, clearly, Kate Von Allen got it across the plane. Jeff, you shouldn't allow it to come down to one play. You've got the best home field advantage in all of college football. You're the higher-ranked team. You win that game, Jeff. I'm sorry. You win it. No yeah. excuses. None. Kirby Smart got very lucky that Georgia escaped there with that. <laughs> All right, Jeff. We will argue this one another day, I am sure. But unfortunately, that is it for our show. Great show. We got basketball. We got wrestling. We got Joe Paterno. And we even snuck some football in. Very good. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app.